Isn't it lovely to be here once again? I'm not even going to ask how are you, but I'm so glad to see you and we thank the Lord for giving us this time to be once again back into the sanctuary. I know it's a bit overwhelming, um, but we thank God that we are able to come and worship together in this space. And so I wish to welcome each and every one of you. This is Florida Methodist Church. It is faith, mission, and service in the Lord. And I hope that you will find um, good time being in the presence of the Lord and worshiping with this congregation. Herbert, the steward, will speak to you after the service today. And I don't know if it was myself only, but it felt as if it's a new year coming to church today. And we thank God. We really thank God for this grace. Not many of us are here and I understand very well. Eternal God, you bring light out of darkness and hope out of despair. Share your love with us this day that we may better love one another. Touch our hearts and help us to love in a world that is hungry to know your love. Let your love shine through us in Jesus' name. Amen. And um, today we are having Holy Communion. Um, we just take a few uh, seconds in silence as we ready ourselves to continue the service with a call to worship. Open for me the gates of righteousness. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. We sing together. Do we sing? Um, we have <laughs> hymns that have been provided, this COVID guidelines and so forth. But we have hymns that have been provided for us. We can hum. Um, it's number 256. There is a light upon the mountains.
Creator God, from everlasting to everlasting, Father, you are God. What a beautiful morning. How beautiful that it dawned also on us this morning that we were able to see this brand new day. We thank you, Lord, as we come into your presence, being back into this sanctuary. An emotional moment, Lord, as we are reminded of the many times that we have experienced your presence in the sanctuary. Whilst we are away, Lord, we felt like David who said in a dry and barren land, in a dry and barren land, my soul longs for you. For Lord, I have seen you in the sanctuary. I've seen you in the temple. And we prayed and we hoped, Lord, that you'll make it possible for us to come. Yes, Lord, once again, you've allowed us to come together just one more time. And so, Lord, we thank you. We give you praise. We exalt your holy and precious name. Not that, Lord, you are not with us when we worship in our homes. You, uh, you were with us. You are with us and you continue to be with us for you are not limited by distance, time, and space. You are God who is there all times and in all places. But being in a sanctuary, Lord, and to be able to participate in the Lord's Supper this morning, what a blessing. And we pray, Father God, for some of us who at this moment have not been able to join us as we gather in this fashion and they're joining us in the social media platforms. We pray, Father God, that you also be with them, that they also feel your love and your embrace for you are God who loves us and you are God who meets us right where we are. And Lord, as we come into this space, we remember we remember with shame, Lord, our weaknesses. We remember our wrongs. That many a time, Lord, we did things that we we're not supposed to do. We said things that our mouths were not supposed to say. And the thoughts that we had, Lord, do not bring glory to your name. And so as we come, Lord, we humble ourselves before the throne of Christ and we ask that you forgive us and you cleanse us. For, Lord, we know that with you there is nothing that is hidden. But we also know, Lord, that you are compassionate, you are gracious, you are loving. You forgive when we come to you confessing our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And on that, Lord, we depend. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. And I invite us as we together say the Lord's Prayer. We find our scripture reading for today. 
The first is the Old Testament reading in Isaiah chapter 25, and we'll be reading from verse 6 to 9. We find our second scripture reading in the Gospel according to Luke. We are reading chapter 24 from verses 28 to 35, and it reads as follows. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Then they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. This is the gospel of Christ. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Amen. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you, our Lord, our rock, and our redeemer. Amen. The literary context of the text that we've just read, both of them, start with a gloomy, sad state, but as you read, you find that there is some good or joyous news that comes out of it. If you look in the Isaiah reading, you find that it was a prophecy, a message that Isaiah delivered or preached to the exiles and also those who remained in Jerusalem. While Luke tells us of a story of two travelers who were overwhelmed by grief and pain, and as they traveled, the stranger joined them. Allow me this morning to briefly reflect with us on the Lord's Supper. And as we do so, I have just two points. Restoration promised and the new community. At the time that Isaiah prophesied, the northern kingdom of Israel, because after King Solomon, the kingdom of Israel was divided into two, the north and the south. 
The north was known as Israel and the south was known as Judah. And so at the time of Isaiah, the northern kingdom had already been destroyed because Israelites had forsaken God and they breached the covenant they had with God. And as you'd recall, when we go back to the covenant and also the blessings and cases of disobedience, God had indicated that if you disobey and turn away from the covenant that you have agreed to with me as God, then these are the cases that will follow me, that will follow you. And one of those was that they'll be scattered. And so the northern kingdom had already fallen into that. So it was a warning to those who were in Judah and Jerusalem to say that if you don't repent, if you don't change your ways, what has happened to the northern kingdom is what is going to happen to you. But if you read from chapter 24 to chapter 27, which the, the passage that we read forms part of, in the literal context, you find that in chapter 24, there is news about scattering, destruction, and also pits and death and everything. But in chapter 25, then you begin to see this news, this good news. On this mountain, God will prepare feasts, the richest of fats for his people. And... I thought to myself that perhaps when Isaiah spoke these words, those who were listening to him were like, all around us, all we see is destruction. All around us, what we see is death. There is no hope. There is no life. How then can you say that on this mountain? But in actual, in essence, what Isaiah was talking about was looking into the future, eschatological, in the sense that it's hope for the future that one day death will be swallowed by life. And as people come to Mount Zion, they will come joyously and say, this is our God. We trusted in him and he has saved us. But still on that, wrestling with that, I thought of the two disciples. Many scholars say that we are told that it was Cleopas and the other person we are not told. And many scholars say that it's likely that it was his wife. So they were traveling from Jerusalem, overwhelmed by, by sadness, by grief, that this Jesus whom they came to believe in, this Jesus whom they had their hopes on, had been handed over to the religious leaders and was crucified. Now all their hopes have been dashed down. There was nothing for them to remain in Jerusalem any longer. And so they were traveling and they were going back to Emmaus. And this stranger joins them on the way and they converse. And as they pour out their hearts to the stranger, they say, we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Because at that time, Israel was under Roman rule. But this stranger, unknown to them, but Luke tells us that it was Jesus, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him, began explaining the scriptures to them. And as they approached the village that they were going to, the stranger pretended to be proceeding 
but they invited him because of the conversations that had been with him on the road. And then he went in with them. But as they got to the house they were going, the stranger changed position because instead of being waited upon by the hosts, Cleopa and his wife or the other disciples that we do not know, he took the position of a host and he served them. And as we read that he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke the bread and then he gave it to them. And if you read in Luke chapter 22, verse 19, you see that it's similar phrases or the similar words as we use when we come to the table of Christ. And so their eyes were opened because they could realize, although perhaps whilst they were walking on the road, they may have had the question to say that, is God with us? And as us faced with this pandemic, that for the past six months, perhaps we've asked questions that does God still love us? Why are we going through what we are going through? If at all God loves us. Is God with us? Does God care for us? But I wish to say that God has been with us. Just as these disciples walked with this unknown stranger who later on <clears throat> sorry, who later on as their eyes were open, they realized they recognized that it was Jesus. I want to say that each and every one of us God has been with us through the valleys that we went through in the past six months or in the past years of our lives when it has been dark and no sign of light. God has been there through the messages that we've been receiving that assure us that God is with us. But then again, as Jesus was giving them the spread and their eyes opened, a new community was formed. What do you mean? Food is essential for our lives. And if we don't have food, we become like the Israelites in the desert. They grumbled against Moses because they said, give us food to eat. But there are different types of foods or meals for different occasions. And so for us as believers, the Lord's table, it's a unique meal, it's a unique food, it's nourishment for the soul, it's nourishment for the body, it's nourishment for the spirit. It is then that we are reminded of the risen Christ, the one who has conquered death, and by death, death symbolizes anything that doesn't have life. It doesn't have to be the physical death. But when you look at your dreams or you look at your projects and you see that there is nothing of life out of it, Christ conquers that and brings it to life and speaks a word to say, live. The true disciples, they were moving from Jerusalem and they are going to Emmaus. That is twofold. Physical moving away from Jerusalem and the spiritual moving away 
by spiritual moving away, I mean, they had Jesus and they followed, I want to believe, that's my hermeneutics of suspicion, that they had followed Jesus all those three years and they've seen and they've heard Jesus preaching and they've seen the miracles that Jesus had performed. But because he was crucified, dead and buried, even though the women had gone to the tomb and found the tomb empty and came back and reported that Jesus is risen, still they could not believe. And so it was the move from the spiritual aspect of their life to say that I no longer believe. Say you're faced with COVID-19 and say, if God is there, he would not have allowed this. I don't believe anymore. That is a move from Jerusalem to Emmaus. But as they were there at supper and Jesus giving them this bread, the Bible says that their eyes were opened and they recognized Jesus. God was doing a new thing, creating, recreating a new community. Why do I say so? If you go back in the first creation narrative, the Bible says that God gave Adam and Eve the rule that you can eat everything except the three of the knowledge of good and evil. And the Bible tells us that after they'd eaten from that fruit, their eyes were opened and they were able to see that they were naked. And having seen that, they ran away from God. They hid themselves from God. But God, because God had created this community, wanting to have a God-humanity community, which sin broke, he sent Jesus to be the bread of life. His blood to be the one that cleanses us and restores us back to that community. Unlike Adam and Eve who ran away when their eyes were opened, these two, when their eyes were opened, Jesus disappeared from their sight, but he did not disappear from their hearts. And they reasoned among themselves, went our hearts burning when he explained the scriptures to us, and it did not end there. They, got, they had to go back and tell others to say that indeed he is. He is alive. We have seen him. I can imagine the pace with which they ran back to Jerusalem. And so when we come to the Lord's table, it is my prayer that we are able to have our eyes opened and recognize the risen Christ in our presence, that all along, when I had been walking, thinking that I was alone, I was not. Christ has been with me. And as we pray, I want to say that each and every one of us is on an Emmaus road, or has been, or will be. Times of loss, times of pain, times of heartache, times of confusion, times of despondency. I want to say that when we walk through those paths, God who never leaves us alone meets us right 
where we are and journeys with us. Sometimes we may not be aware, we may not know and begin to wonder that he is there and that there is that song. You ask me how I know that he lives. He lives. He walks with me. He talks with me. And so when we move from the table, we move. There is this um, advert for another drink that says that such and such gives you wings. But the meal that we are served by Christ at this table gives us the strength for the journey, for the journey ahead of us is still long. But it gives us the strength and the courage that no matter what we face on the way, we know that Christ is with us. We may not see him with a physical eye. We, cannot, we may not touch him with, the, with our hand, but he is with us, encourages us, because he has promised that I will never leave nor forsake you. And we go out and tell others that Jesus lives. Let us pray. Almighty God, you have been our God. You have been our Savior. You don't leave us in our desolate positions to be alone, but you walk with us. You talk with us when fear and confusion seeks to overtake us. You lead and guide us and we hear your word saying this is the way you walk on it. And Father, we thank you that as each and every one of us at different times in our lives, we go through our Emmaus walks. Lead and guide us, Lord. Remind us, Holy Spirit, at all times that Jesus is with us. Even at our homes when things don't seem to be working all right because of the dire circumstances we find ourselves in. Jesus, be the invisible guest in our meals. And Lord, we come to you at this moment bringing your people who are in need. We bring those who have nothing, who don't even know how they're going to make it through this day. Lord, as we come to your table of grace and realize how much you love us by giving of yourself, Help us, Lord, open our eyes that we may be able to go out. Because, Lord, you said in your word, we see you in the poor, in the homeless. We see you in the prisoner. We see you in the destitute. Help us, therefore, Lord, that we may walk as you did when you walked on earth. 
and in areas of injustice that we may be able to speak against and confront this. The year of October, Lord, is set aside as a month for those suffering with breast cancer. But we don't only bring those suffering with breast cancer this time, Lord. We bring all who are afflicted by all forms of cancer. Others, Lord, have to deal with the COVID-19 over and above that. We pray for your strength. We pray for your courage. Wherever they are, be a guest in their homes, in their spaces. Give them courage. Strengthen them. We pray for all who are facing different health challenges, mental, physical, and also emotional. Let your peace be upon them, Lord. And we hope that together with them and the church triumphant, one day we will come to that mountain that Isaiah spoke of, where we will sit together, dining with you, never to depart from your presence ever again. We pray for also for the leadership of this country. Perhaps, Lord, at times we find ourselves saying that we had hoped that this government would be, would be better than the previous. We pray, Lord, for your wisdom, for your guidance, for your courage, for those who will speak out against corruption. We give you thanks, Lord, and praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. At this moment, I will invite the communion stewards to come for. May the peace of the Lord be with you. We bless the offering. Almighty God, we are aware of the financial constraints in our country at the moment and the challenges that each and every one of your people are going through. Yet, Lord, when we come to your presence, we come with who we are, just as we are, and we just come bearing these gifts to say thank you, Lord. Thank you that though we've gone through challenges, though we've gone through difficulties, you've not left us. You've been with us in the journey. And as we present these gifts, Lord, to you, we also present ourselves that, Lord, we may continue to be your servants in this kingdom. We ask, therefore, that you give us wisdom to use these gifts in accordance so that your kingdom may come and that your will be done as it is in heaven. We give you praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. We find our closing hymn, 309, Break Thou the Bread of Life.
we come now to the end of our service and we don't shake, we don't hand, hold hands, but we say like that. I think that's the only safest way as we share the benediction together. Father Jesus Christ, the Lord.